feel the need to give a disclaimer this morning. This is one of your first couple of times attending our church. You're going to hear a sermon today that is way different than our normal teaching style. We try to be very practical around here. I try to give you things that you can apply to your life and take them into the week. I don't, I don't want you to be impressed on Sundays. I want you to be able to put things into action Monday through Saturday as well. When you leave here, take those steps, work on your marriage, work on your career, work on your finances and those type things. But today I feel led to kind of go in a different direction and talk to you about a subject that in 23 years of preaching, I preached on one other time. And for the life of me, can't remember the angle I went from when I preached it. I called some people I know that take a lot of notes here at the church and tried to ask them what was the direction I went last time, and no one seemed to be able to find the notes to the sermon. And there's probably not a sermon that I've put more time into and I'm more uncomfortable with. I just don't feel like it came together well. Um, I'm also going to give you this disclaimer because there's nothing I hate worse than a hypocritical pastor. I hate a hypocritical person. So I'm going to go ahead and let you know today that I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you because in every sense of the word, I'm a hypocrite when it comes to today's subject. I am not living out what I'm going to teach you today. That being said, it doesn't change that it's in the Word of God, and the Word of God says a lot about this subject. We've been in a series called Board Games, and we've been going from this premise that in many ways, life is kind of like a game. You win at times, you lose at times, you move forward at times, you move backwards at times. And I told you that I kind of came up with this idea for this series. During the sheltered-in phase of COVID, we kind of found ourselves and my family for the first time in the time that we've been a family sitting around the table at night playing games, playing board games, playing card games. And the irony in that is since I've started this series, we haven't played any games. We probably should turn that around. But it was an awesome time to get around the table, tune out technology, and just laugh and talk and play games against each other. And as we were playing these games, I kept thinking to myself how these games apply biblically to our lives. And so if you missed any of the other weeks, the first week of the series, we talked about the game Scrabble, and we talked about how important our words are in this life. We talked about how the words that we speak and the words that we say have the ability to lift people up and they have the ability to destroy people. If you missed that, you can go to any of the podcast forums on your phone, type in Action Church, and you can download that sermon for free. Last week, we talked about one of my favorite games as a kid. We talked about the game Shoots and Ladders, and we talked about how is that not just like life, man? We're climbing the ladder, we're climbing the ladder, and boom, shoot happens. You slide down the slide, and all of a sudden, you don't know what to do. It came out of nowhere, and we talked about what do you do when the shoot hits the fan, if you will. So if you missed that, you can download that. And, and today I want to talk to you about a certain, like I said, I, I'm preaching to myself today, and I hope it helps you, but really today more than ever, I'm trying to motivate myself to get back on this train, to get back on this topic. One of my favorite games as a kid, I don't know how many of you remember this game, but I loved the game Hungry, Hungry, Hippos. Does anybody remember that game? You know what I think I liked about the game is there's no strategy to the game. You don't have to be smart to play the game, so it qualifies me to be able to play the game. You don't have to think 
to play the game. It's a real simple premise. There's a game board, and in four corners are big, fat hippos. There's all these marbles that go in the center of the game. You pop that tail. When you pop that tail, the mouth opens, and the goal is to get as many marbles in the belly of the hippopotamus as possible. My kind of game. Slapping tail, eating food. Sounds like a country western song, if you're a wheeler walker. And it really, at the end of the day, I can't believe I just said that. The end of the day, I told you I'm not real comfortable with this sermon today, so you're going to get lots of rabbit trails today and lots of inappropriate comments, because inappropriate comments is how I deal with awkwardness, okay? So you're just going to have to deal with that. Um, Really, at the end of the day, here's the the summary of Hungry Hungry Hippos. It's really just a bunch of fat animals eating whatever they can as fast as they can with no regard for anything else. Kind of like how we treat our bodies. Not going to be a lot of amens today. Going to be a lot of uncomfortable people today. But we're going to talk about a subject that the Bible talks a lot about. I keep seeing everyone on social media talking about the COVID-20. Meaning, man, I have gained 20 pounds since COVID. I think I'm more along the lines of the COVID-30. My pants don't want to button suddenly. They shrunk or something. My uh, shirts feel a little bit tighter. The belly's a whole lot bigger. And it's amazing how when we don't take care of our bodies, how it affects us in almost every other way. It affects the way we sleep. It affects the way we handle stress. It affects the way our minds are able to work. It affects the way we're able to be able to function in society. Probably one of the biggest missing ingredients in preaching today is the preaching on taking care physically of our body. And so we're going to talk about this weird subject. We're going to talk about this subject that I don't really want to talk about. We're going to talk about what I like to say is one of the forgotten sins in the church because, man, preachers will get up and preach against everything that moves as they're about 350 pounds. They will not preach on gluttony. I think I've shared with you this story before I became a new Christ follower and I got saved in a very traditional church. I gave my life to Christ in a very, very strict church. I mean, women weren't allowed to wear pants. Man, if you were a guy, you had to wear a tie. Um, You weren't allowed to go to the movies. Man, alcohol was of the devil. You couldn't listen to rock and roll music. I mean, we had a little Cherokee Indian preacher, man, and he preached against every single thing that moved. I mean, when he took the stage, he had this big podium, and it was like he had a machine gun, man. He'd cock that sucker back, and he'd start in the far right corner, and he'd mow everything down all the way to the left corner. And we had this thing a few times a year called revival. And revival was when you met every night during the week and they'd bring in a revival preacher. And I'd never been to revival. And so I'm on my way to church. I'll never forget. And I'd rushed home and got everything. And I had to stop by Walmart for something before I went to revival because, you know, you're playing revival. And I get in line and there's a gentleman in front of me that's pushing about 425 pounds. He's a big old boy. 
And he had dress pants on, he had a dress shirt on, and he was purchasing a tie. And I guess for whatever reason, I remember I was about 20 years old at this time, I was brand new into church, and whatever reason, the tie was ringing up wrong. And this guy was losing his mind over the price of this tie. He's yelling at the girl behind the counter, telling her she's dumb, telling her to get a manager, acting like a total ass, if you will. I sit back, I mean, he's an older man. I was taught to respect my elders. I didn't say anything. He gets his thing, he leaves. I come up, I purchase my stuff. I get to revival. And the guest preacher walks out on stage and it's the idiot from Walmart. And I'll never forget this guy screaming and hollering and preaching against everything that moved. Yet he never talked about gluttony. He never talked about how physically overweight he was. He never talked about a subject the Bible talks a lot about. And I'll never forget it was the first time as a Christ follower being turned off to Christianity. And I was new in my faith, and I said, man, if that's what being a Christian is like, I don't ever want to be a Christian. Yet nobody's talking about that subject. I equate it to this. When I turned 16 years old, my dad tried, emphasis on tried, to teach me how to drive. I'll never forget him telling me to get in the front seat of the car. I get in the front seat of the car, and we went for a drive. And if you grew out around Gwinnett County in between, kind of like Lawrenceville and Athens, we got on an interstate. It was called 316. He said, I want you to pull out on 316. I said, man, I've never driven. You want me to get right out on 316? He said, what did I just tell you? I told you to get on 316. So we jumped on 316, and I'm driving along, and I'm in my lane, and we've been going about 10 minutes. And my dad said, now, son, I want you to change lanes as you're driving. He said, I want you to put your blinker on. He said, you need to look in your rearview mirror and see if there's anybody behind you. He said, you need to check your side mirror. And when you feel like you have the clear, I want you to ease over into the next lane. Turn on my blinker, check my rear view mirror. I check my side mirror. I begin to ease over. And the second I begin to ease over, I hear this tire screeching and this horn honking, this guy flipping me off, and my dad starts screaming, oh, my God, the blind spot, the blind spot. I forgot about the blind spot. I'm whipping back over, and I'm like, what? He said, I'm, he said every car, son, has a blind spot. He said, you got to check your mirrors. You got to turn on your blinker. But you got to turn your head very quickly and make sure there's nobody in your blind spot. Blind spots are one of those things that can cause lots of injuries and even fatalities. And I think the issue with the church in general, to be honest with you, is we have a blind spot when it comes to talking about our physical health. I've heard preachers get up and talk about emotional health. I've heard preachers get up and talk about spiritual health. Preachers get up and we talk about mental health. But very rarely will we get up and talk about physical health. And I think the reason for that is we got a bunch of pansies on stage nowadays. 
It's easy to talk about mental health because mental health is a hidden thing. So I can be talking about mental health and it makes nobody out there, even if they have mental issues, it doesn't make them uncomfortable because they can hide that. No one looks at them and says, man, they got mental issues. You can get up and talk about spiritual issues and nobody looks around and says, man, I can physically see the spiritual issues in that person. And so we don't worry about it making them uncomfortable. The problem with physical issues is it's easy to look around and begin to see that so many of us, not so many of you, us, myself included, as I ate a bacon, egg, and cheese from Bojangles and a Mountain Dew this morning, it's easy to see, man, there's physical issues there. And we don't want to make people uncomfortable. Let me make it very clear to you today. I'm not trying to make you uncomfortable. I'm not talking down to you today. Because let me also say there's a lot of people who might not look like they have physical issues. Maybe their metabolism works a little bit different. But trust me, they're just as out of shape as the person who looks like they have physical issues. I'm not trying to beat you up today. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty today. I'm simply trying to help you today to realize there's an aspect of our lives that is not taught in the church that will literally change your life. And I actually think we live in a society today that has told us we need to learn to accept ourselves no matter what. It's a lie from the pits of hell. You say, what? Yeah. We need to learn to love ourselves no matter what. But we never need to be content and accept when we're living life less than how God intended for us to live. God gave us our bodies. God gave us our shape. And we need to be good stewards of our physical health just as we're good stewards of our financial health our mental health, our spiritual health. But nobody wants to talk about it because it's uncomfortable. I've been pastoring this church for eight years. I have talked about things in this church that other pastors have never, ever thought about talking about. I did a five-week series on sex. On the fifth week of that series... I did a question and answer session where you sent me anonymous questions. Boy, you guys have some issues. And I get it because I'm more uncomfortable today talking about this subject than I was talking about those subjects. Because I'm afraid it's going to hurt somebody. But I know my heart is simply to help somebody, including myself. The church has a glaring blind spot when it comes to this. We have no issue talking about the internal quality of our soul, our thoughts, but we've neglected talking about our physical bodies. And we can't live out the life that God intends for us to live because we have aches and crakes like never before. We can't walk across the room. We can't get out and play with our kids. We can't enjoy life because we have neglected our body. You live once, Gary. Right. And I want to live that life to the max. 
So today I want to talk to you about this amazing thing God has given us called our body. And I want to make this very clear to you today. I'm not going to get into practical aspects of it. I am not going to talk to you about diet today. I am not going to talk to you about methods to working out today. I'm going to cover real quickly some generic things at the end. Because everybody has a different body and you've got to figure out what health-wise works for you. But more importantly than that, I want to give you just some reasons why it's important. What you do with that is what you do with it. If you do nothing with it, man, guess what? I get it. Nobody talks more about their physical body and does nothing than me. What's my move, Christine? Boy, I feel disgusting. God, my stomach hurts. I'm sick of my clothes not fitting. Every night, every single night. Then three minutes later, I'm not even trying to be funny. What kind of ice cream is in there in there? We got anything sweet? Every Sunday, Christine, what do I do? Tomorrow's the day. I should have preached one more night with the frogs. Tomorrow's the day. I think last night it's different every week. Last week it was, you know what? I'm not going to jump on a diet fat because it doesn't work. You know what? Last Sunday it was, I'm just going to eat clean. No bread and no sweets this week except one time on the weekend. One meal. I think Monday night, Christine was having a bad day, if I remember. And my fix to her having a bad day was, hey, let's go get some ice cream at Dairy Queen. That makes it better. <laughs> Tuesday at the Lamb House, Emily was having a bad day. Baby girl, you know what makes it better? Let's go to Dairy Queen. I love Dairy Queen. feel like it's manna from heaven. First job I ever had was at Dairy Queen. I love Dairy Queen. There's nothing sweet that you can mix with ice cream that's not good. There's really nothing healthy that you can mix with ice cream that's not good. Steak and ice cream, good. Never had it, but it's got ice cream in it. It's good. Then last night, Christine opens up the freezer and she said, man... The kids ate all the drumstick ice cream cones. I could have been honest and threw the kids under the bus. They weren't there to defend themselves. But they've been really nice because it's Father's Day week. And I said, oh, you really can't blame the kids. I've had one every day. She said, every day? Don't judge me. Christine gets in my car this week. And slips, I kid you not, she slips on a brownie wrapper from Quick Trip. If you've never had a Quick Trip brownie, you probably don't even know they have them. They're the most amazing brownies I've ever had in my life. I don't know why. Because they're awesome. It's probably the fact that they're 99 cents makes them awesome. Because anything that's under a buck, good. So needless to say, I did not follow my own advice that I started Sunday. Then what did I say last night? I said, I'm done. 
Like, I, like it moved to anger now. Because, man, I'll be honest with you. I was in the zone up to COVID. We had personal trainers. Man, we were meal prepping. I mean, for months, we had lost, what, 20 pounds? You'd lost like 500 pounds. You didn't have 500 pounds to live, lose. But, man, we had lost. We were in the zone reporting every day. We had workouts. We were in the zone, and COVID hit, and it was like. Some people drink their problems away. Some people eat them away. And regardless, either way, they neglect their body in the process. And it's amazing in only two and a half months how much worse I feel than I did when I was eating right. Self-esteem, physically, there's power in taking care of this temple that God's given us. So I'm not going to give you any basics today. I just want to give you some reasons overall why you should care about your body. Like I said, kind of a weird subject. We'll be back to normal next week. We're going to be talking about the game Sorry. My wife says, I don't know how to apologize. I'm going to tell you how to seek forgiveness when you've hurt somebody. I've talked a lot about how to forgive someone who's hurt you. It's very rarely that I've ever talked about how do you seek forgiveness when you've hurt somebody. But today we're going to talk about our body. The number one reason we ought to care about our body is we were created by God. Think about that for a second. The God of the universe, the God who created everything from nothing, created you. He created me. God does not make mistakes. God does not make junk. God does not make do-overs. God makes perfection. You're exactly the way God designed you to be. The Bible says he loves you so much that he has the hairs on your head counted. For some of you, that's not difficult. For some of you, it is. The Bible says in Genesis 2, 7, in the Lord God, don't miss this. I'm going to break this down for you in a way you've never seen because I feel like God revealed this to me this week. Then the Lord God formed, that word formed is very important. He formed a man from the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living thing. Let me understand and leave that up there, Xander. God is a creative God. The Bible says in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, he looked out and he saw a void and the Bible says he began to create. He created the world and the Bible says he spoke Things into existence. Where there was nothing, he spoke it into being. He spoke and said, let there be light. Well, I'm about to throw it on you. This is about to be good. I don't care if it is a white boy doing it today. I've seen some black preachers get with it. And I know that ain't popular in today's society, but a white boy is getting to do it today. I'm about to lay some truth on you. Listen, he spoke, let there be light. He spoke, let there be water. Everything God created, he spoke into existence except man. The Bible says when he got to man, he rolled up his sleeves and he formed man. He got his hands in the dirt and he fashioned man. He rolled up his sleeves and he got involved in the process 
of creating man, spoke water into existence, spoke light into existence, spoke the land into existence, spoke the animals into existence. But you and I, he formed us with his own hands. We were created by God. He then took what he formed and he breathed life into it. You and I got a little bit of earth in us and a little bit of heaven in us. God didn't speak us into existence. He created us. The Bible says after this verse, he went on to create woman from man. Tell you another little tidbit about God's creation. God spoke the water into existence, and the Bible said he said it was good. He spoke the animals into existence, and he said it was good. He created the day and the night, and he said it was good. He created man, looked at man, and said, I could probably do better than that. And he created a woman. <laughs> he never looked at man and said it was good. He said, man, that was the test version. Let me create woman. God created us. And yet we neglect what God gave us. How many of you have ever bought your kids something very expensive? Or how many of you have ever built your kids something? And over the years, they just neglect what it is. They don't appreciate what you gave them. They don't appreciate what you built for them. That's what we do with our bodies all the time. Man, God creates us, and we just neglect it. God gave us this awesome body in which to enjoy this incredible thing called life. And we go years and years and years neglecting it. We care more about our car than we do our body. We care more about our lawn than we do our body. We care more about the pool than we do our body. We care more about our finances than we do our body. We care more about relationships than we do our body. And we neglect and we neglect and we neglect and we live life less than God intended for us to live. I love Psalms 139. Here we have David talking about the fact that our bodies are handcrafted by God. Let me make this clear to you today. We are no fluke of evolution. We didn't morph into humans. The best technology we could ever muster pales in comparison to the complexity of our bodies. And look what David says about it in Psalms 139. He says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. He said, I praise you because I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. And I know that full well. Why should we take care of our bodies? Because God created us. God himself fashioned us. He chose your hair color. I know some of you ladies don't remember what that was, but he chose your hair color. He chose your height. He chose your body type. He, he, he chose 
the physical strengths you would have and the physical weaknesses you would have. All according to his plan and his purpose. Yet we put stuff in our body that does nothing but destroy us and kill us. I literally know people who won't do anything to their car but the best. And yet, man, they'll put junk in their body nonstop. What kind of sense does that make? We need to get serious about our bodies. You know, you know something else, and, and I want to explain this one, is God wore our bodies. God wore our bodies. Years and years and years ago, I had a person that I was pastoring come to me and they gave me a gift. Now, let me make this clear. I like sports. I'm not a sports nut. If you ask me who my team was, I would tell you the Georgia Bulldogs, but here's the deal. I could give two rips if they go 0-10 or 10-0. I don't build my law, my life around sports. If you do, that's cool. Not saying it in a judgmental way. I just don't care. And this man came and gave me this big gift, and I unwrapped it, and it was a game-worn Herschel Walker jersey signed and framed. Cool. I hung it on my wall. But I never really thought much about it because, again, I, I don't care that much about sports. People would come out of my office and they would freak out and ask me where I got it. And I said, man, this guy gave it to me. And I didn't think anything. Maybe occasionally I'd get the duster out and dust it off. Then I went through some very hard times financially. And I said, I wonder what I can get for this jersey. And I put it up on eBay. And people lost their minds over this jersey. I'm talking about people were bidding, people were contacting me off, off record, asking me would I just sell it to them outright. People went nuts. And this guy won it for thousands of dollars. I'll never forget, I remember it just like it was yesterday. He lived in Mississippi. So I messaged him and said, hey man, thank you for the payment. I'll get this. Do not mail that jersey. I was like, okay. He said, I'm leaving in the morning to come pick it up. And I was like, okay. Guy got to town. I gave it to him. I kid you not. And the guy starts crying. This is amazing. I'm like, okay. I, I can't believe you're selling this. I'm like, okay. He looked at me and said, are you sure you're not going to regret this? And I was like, no. I've already spent that money you gave me. I ain't going to regret it. Here was the deal. Herschel Walker's cool. He don't really mean anything to me. This guy had an emotional attachment to him. He went into the story of his dad being a Georgia Bulldog fan and taking him to Georgia games. He talked about every Saturday for three years they would go watch Herschel Walker. You see, he remembers his dad being the happiest he's ever been when Georgia won the national championship in 1980 and his dad had passed away about six months before and he had an emotional attachment to this. The jersey was valuable to him because someone that he valued had wore the jersey. It didn't mean much to me because Herschel Walker doesn't mean much to me. 
But in this guy's eyes, someone he, he looked up to, someone he respected, had wore that jersey. We serve a God today who came to earth in the form of a human, and he wore a body just like ours. He placed value in our bodies. Someone wore our jersey, his name was Jesus. The Bible says in John 1, 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus, think about this for a minute. Jesus left the splendor of heaven. He put flesh on. And that dignifies your body and mine. The fact that God walked down the staircase of heaven with a baby in his arms, the fact that Jesus was born in a piece of farm furniture, the fact that Jesus walked and talked and he had flesh and bone and structure just like you. He had hearts and he had lungs and he had a brain and he wore skin. And by the way, I hate to burst your bubble, it wasn't white skin. And that dignifies your body and mind. Oh, did I just say that? I hate to burst your bubble. We should take care of our bodies because, man, our king wore a body like this. Our savior wore a body like this. He knew the importance of him coming and living in the flesh and dealing with the same trials and the same tribulations and the same stresses that you and I deal with. Yet we neglect this body that he put so much significance in. When they crucified Jesus, what did they do? They destroyed his physical body. They whipped him and they spit on him and they mocked him. And yet we neglect and spit and mock on our own bodies. Put whatever we want into our bodies. Drink whatever we want into our bodies, no matter how bad it destroys our bodies. I'm not going to give you practical things. I'm just going to tell you the significance of your body. Uh, the, the first thing is... The first thing is we were created by God. God wore our bodies. And how about this? Our bodies as Christ followers are indwelt by God. Think about that for a minute. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Paul's saying, don't you know, man, that your body is a casing for the Holy Spirit of God? The day you enter into a relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God indwells you. He indwells this body. He says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with what? I know it's Canton, Georgia, but I know you can read Honor God with your body. your body. We honor God with our actions. We honor God with our words. We honor God with our deeds. We honor God with our thoughts. But how many of us actually honor God with our bodies? Let me be about as real as I can to you today, Okay. I don't want you to think I'm bashing you down. I'm putting myself in your shoes today. There is nothing God-honoring about that. I 
It's disgusting. Oh, that's, that's a dead bod. It's hot. If it's a dead bod, then how come when I'm eating the way I'm supposed to eat and I'm working out the way I'm supposed to work out and I'm filling my body with the things that I'm supposed to fill it with, it doesn't look like that? Now, I understand some people, a lot less than claim they do, have health issues, and no matter what you put in your body, and no matter what you do, there's still going to be the appearance of those type things. I get that. That's not the point. The point is, can you look yourself in the mirror and know you're doing those things? I cannot. I actually have one of those bodies, do I not? I, 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 my body does not change fast. Man, men, I hate people like this. I lost 30 pounds in a month. My body changes slowly. I don't get the results I want over time. I can be in great health, man. I, I, I can get where my cardio's good and my strength's good and still look like, but the problem is I, I'm not there now. Leading into COVID, I could get on the Stairmaster for an hour. I'd get off of a soap, man. I'm 10 minutes in, and I feel bad for the dude in front of me on the bicycle. I'm coughing all over him, sweating all over him, and breathing all over him. And, man, I'm about to have a heart attack and die. Why? Because I'm neglected my body. The temple of the Holy Spirit, I've neglected it. We honor God with our body. That's radical stuff right there. It's one of those things that we don't think about right there. When we walk around and we're out of shape and our body isn't what it should be, you know what we're saying? is saying we don't lack the discipline to care for our bodies. And that becomes a testimony to our discipline with Christ. That hurts. That downright stinks, actually. Back to verse 19. Can you put verse 19 back up there, Z, or Tanya, whoever's running that? Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? That's huge. In the Old Testament, the writers talked about God being in the house, in the temple. God resided in the physical temple. They built it for him, and that's where God resided. And the tabernacle is what they called it. God hung out, his presence hung out in the tabernacle. In the New Testament, the Bible says God has physically left the building, and he now resides in something different. He's not residing in the physical house anymore. He's saying God is out of the house and now we're the temple of God, and when we enter into a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit of God resides in us. I wish I could break this down more for you. I'm going to offend some people right here, but it is what it is. Now, listen, listen. There is a heresy that says we enter into a relationship with Christ, and later on we receive the Holy Spirit of God. It's a life from the pits of hell. The day we enter into a relationship with Christ, the Holy Spirit of God indwells us. Why? Because God the Father and God the Spirit are one. Just like an eggshell, an egg white, and an egg yolk are one. You don't have a relationship with one and not a relationship with the other. God, the Son, told the disciples, I'm now leaving you. I'm leaving your presence. I'm returning to heaven. And I'm sending the Holy Spirit of God to reside. And you say, how do I know the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit of God is what you get when you're into a relationship with Christ. It's that kind of voice inside of you that says, you shouldn't be doing this. It's that thing that moves you when you're praising God. It's that discernment meter in your life. 
Jesus is not just passing through our lives. He's just not spending two or three hours and chilling with us. Once we invite him into our life, he takes residence within us. He influences our life. He places the Holy Spirit down deep in our soul. And because of that, we shouldn't trash the temple. It doesn't honor God. I bet you've never thought about that. I never thought about it to this week. My physical body honors or it dishonors God. <laughs> Man, Holy Spirit of God lives inside your body and we don't want to take care of it. I'm going to eat what I want to eat and do what I want to do. Cool. Problem with that is, go to the next verse, please. Verse 20. You were bought with a price. Bible says you're no longer your own. It's not your body. It's the temple of God's body. <laughs> Let me make this clear to you. God chose to reside in your temple. And you dishonor God when you spend all your time comparing your body to someone else's body. To be unhappy with the creation means you offend the creator. I wish I had legs like that. I wish I had abs like that. And the person with legs like that is looking at you saying, man, I wish I had blank like that. The comparison game will kill you. It will destroy you. And the problem with the comparison game, so many times the comparison game does not motivate us to be better. It actually makes us go into shutdown mode and we begin to neglect. I can't be that. I get it. Trust me. I don't say this like that. I'm not saying to get sympathy from you. I go to the gym at 5 a.m., 6 a.m. now since this time in the morning. At 5 a.m. in the morning... They're not the passerby people in the gym. It's the hardcore people in the gym. Hands down, without a doubt, I go to one life, I, there's probably 250 people there. It's not even close. I am the most out of shape person in that gym. Physically, if you went by appearance. Now, I like to think the old man can still whoop someone. That's what I convinced myself to get through the day. But the reality is, I can allow that to make me become a shell of what I should be. I cannot push myself because I'm embarrassed of what others think. Or I can realize God made me and I'm responsible for my own life. And the only way I get myself back in tune is I'm going to honor God with my body because the Holy Spirit of God indwells me. The God of the universe created me. The God, the Son, wore my body on this earth. And last of all, we need to understand this. And then I'm going to get a couple of practical things for you. Our bodies will be resurrected one day. <laughs> God fashioned our body. Jesus wore a body. Our bodies are a housing for the Holy Spirit of God. But this one kind of concerns the afterlife. A lot of people ask me questions a lot. It comes with being a pastor, private messages all the time. And one of the most prolific questions I get all the time, Gary, what will our bodies be like when we get to heaven? So I always try to get real deep with it. I say, you got pen? 
You got paper, get your phone out where you can take notes? Yeah. You ready? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We don't really know specifically, but let's dissect the verse a little bit more. 1 Corinthians 15, 4. There also are heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. Our bodies will be resurrected. The Bible makes that clear. Our flesh means something in this life, but our flesh also means something in the afterlife. We will have new and improved bodies, but our bodies will matter. I'd love to go into this a little bit as a whole sermon, but maybe I'll do it. Maybe one day I'll get a while here and do a Bible study and I'll break this down a little bit deeper. But when we get to heaven, here's what we know about our bodies. They'll never grow old and wear out. The Bible says there'll be no sign of aging. For time, I don't have time to give you all the verses for that. But the Bible says there'll be no sign of aging. You gotta like that. No more knees that ache. No more backs. That, how come your back aches when you get old? Oh, I think it's this big belly. Never mind. Never mind. I mean, my aches all the time. Like, I moan in my sleep. Do I not? Like, my body, I sleep and it hurts. Christine's like, what was wrong with you? Like, I don't know, I was sleeping. She said, you moaned all night. Like, I've hit the age and the fatness ratio, too, that, like, I can't just jump out of bed. Like, this morning, I kid you not, I got out of bed like this. I got up, I was like, oh, oh, oh. And then did this walk to the shower. Oh. I'm 44 freaking years old. That's embarrassing. There'll be no aging. Sucks if you're a plastic surgeon because there won't be no plastic surgery in the next life. The Bible says we'll have an eternal look forever and ever. Just take the peak of beauty and God says we'll look like that. Remember, verse 40 says there'll be a splendor about us, a glow about us. You know, they say pregnant moms have a glow about them. I don't, it's the only way I can picture that. But our bodies will be resurrected. God fashioned it. God wore it. God indwells it. God thinks enough about it that when he comes back, he's going to resurrect it. But we don't care about our bodies. Romans says our bodies matter. The Bible says this in Romans 12, when therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer what? Your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your act of spiritual worship. We're to offer our bodies to God. That's how you give everything you are to God when you're willing to give your body to God in an act of worship. I honor you by taking care of what you've given me. But we're too busy life being like that hippo. Bam, bam, bam. Ooh, fajitas, ooh, cheese dip, mm, 
sour cream, mm, mm, chocolate cake, mm, boom, Dairy, ooh, Dairy Queen cake, I get Dairy Queen. It's going to be the last time I ain't sweet. <laughs> Dairy Queen cake today, boom, pizza, bam. Filling our body with junk. More respect for our cars. We've never put junk in our cars. When I lived in Iowa, we have it here too, but in Iowa they have ethanol gas, but it has a higher content of corn in it. And anybody knows if you put that gas in your car, it will tear your car up. It's cheaper, but your car would just start spitting and sputtering because you put junk in it. And we don't care about our bodies. The problem is this. I'm going to close out right here. This is good. I just had this thought. We don't use our bodies to worship God. We worship our bodies. And because we worship our bodies, we see someone else and therefore we neglect ours because we feel bad about it. We worship ours in a, in a reverse way by neglecting it because we feel guilty. So instead of feeling guilty and getting motivated to treat ourselves better, we just eat more and we accept it. It's just the way I'm made. I have a slow metabolism. All kinds of things that speed that joker up. Mm, my testosterone's low. That's my excuse all the time. My testosterone's low. Hey, we ain't got it tested. I was like, how could I get the testosterone of an 83-year-old man? No wonder I'm fat. Problem is this, though. I now take testosterone shots and I'm still fat. So I don't guess that was the excuse. Well, we justify everything, don't we? Man. We compare all the time to other people and beat ourselves up. I, I don't know where to start. They don't take brain surgery. We tell our kids this all the time. Our kids are like, I don't know how to do this. And we're like, shut up. Because, boy, you can get on Google and figure out how to play the most complicated video game in the world. Surely to God, you can figure out how to take a trash bag from a box. <laughs> but is the same not true for us? We research what's important. I just don't have time. Right. But you got time to never miss a football game. You got time to binge watch your favorite TV show. We make time for what's important. We learn about what's important to us. And the reality is, we're an overweight, obese country that honors people who give less than their best. That's what our country's become. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. It's just the reality. So get out there and figure out what works. But I'll give you some practical things. The first thing we need to do is this is because it all starts with a mindset. We need to learn to love ourselves, but not accept less than the best. Love yourself. You should love yourself more than anybody. You're worthy. God of the universe made you. You're amazing. Don't let anybody tell you any different. 
Don't let a bunch of people who can't put up, post a picture on social media without five filters on it make you feel less. Love yourself, but don't just accept that you're not giving your best. I'm going to give you some practical things. You need to go dig deeper in this. Eat clean. If you can kill it or grow it, eat it. Quit eating all that processed crap. It will kill you. It'll kill you. Now, what that looks like for you, you need to figure out. Get within, uh, I am not going to insult you at all. I don't know anything about diet. I can't afford to get a nutritionist. Yes, you can. Yeah, you can. Because trust me, you spend the same amount of money going to the quick trip and getting a piece of pizza and a Coke, and you spend just as much on cigarettes. You, you, you spend money on what's important to you. So sell that crap to somebody else. Your body's not important enough to you. Eat clean. Let me go ahead and, and educate some of you on some. All these fad diets, all you're doing is doing more damage to your body. I lost 30 pounds, and the minute you quit, you're going to gain it all back, and you're miserable because you're doing some stupid diet where you can have one grain of rice and two pieces of broccoli and one bite of chocolate cake a week. And Man, if you mix it with one glass of wine on this night when the moon's at this circumference, guess what's going to happen? Just eat clean. It's a lifestyle change. That's the problem with our society. We live in a society that wants to shortcut everything. We shortcut everything. We shortcut getting our finances in order. We shortcut buying cars. We shortcut purchasing houses. We shortcut our physical body. We short, take the shortcut easy way out in marriage. We shortcut a parenting. Hey, here's a device. Stay on it all day long. I don't have to talk to you at dinner. Do, am I preaching to the choir today? Or am I upsetting you today? Tough. Man, we're a lazy society. We. I'm not saying you. I'm saying We. Eat clean. Drink water. I just don't like water. Shut up. God, I get so sick of inbred hillbilly saying that. I just don't like to taste water. I'm a sweet teen Mountain Dew guy. Shut up. It's obvious in your body. Like, I'm just fed up with incompetency. Drink water. It's amazing. It's amazing. When I was drinking a gallon of water a day, it was amazing the difference I felt. And no, just because beer's made with water don't mean it's water. <laughs> Got to clarify that for this crowd. Golly, water, amazing. Get some type of physical activity. Again, I told you, I'm not going to go into details. I'm actually going to put her on the spot because I didn't know she was going to be here. Cynthia's here. Raise your hand, Cynthia. Sorry you're on the spot right now. You know she's a personal trainer. Get with Cynthia before she leaves. She'll help you. She trains here in town. Obviously, it don't work for me. I don't know. Some type of physical activity. And then lastly, sleep. I just can't sleep. Yeah, because you don't take care of your physical body. That's the number one reason. I can promise you. When we were on that thing, man, I was sleeping great. My body was wore out at the end of the night. It slept good. My stomach was gone. It's hard to sleep on a big fat belly. My body wasn't trying to fight all sleep versus all the sugar that was in me. Sleep is vital. That works for your kids too. Some of your kids are demons because you don't give them enough sleep. That's another sermon for another day. I'm a sleep Nazi, Christina, to tell you. 
How come your kids are never, because they sleep, we make them sleep. Our kids go to bed when we want them to go to bed, not when they want to go to bed. Try it sometime. But you've let the kid be the CEO of your home. Told you I'm on a rabbit trail today. You start there and watch your body change. Now, here's what I don't want, and I'm not trying to be mean today. What you do, the Bible says every man must give an account for himself. So what you do with this sermon is between you and God. It is not between me. I am, you, we're, we are, all due respect, we are not the Catholic Church. You do not have to go through me. I don't have time for you. I don't have time for you to go through me. So if you do nothing with this sermon, that's okay. But don't waste your time messaging me on why you can't do these things. I don't care. My job is to present the truth to you. What you do with it is between you and God. I don't ever want to teach on this subject again. It sucked. I can't wait to get back to what I do best next week. But it needed to be said. Because we have a church full of people honoring God in a lot of ways, except physically. And physically would change your body. And hey, by the way, parents, you're passing the tradition down. (laughs) You're passing the stronghold down to the next generation. Let's pray.